You're listening to McBee Care Threads, a podcast where leaders across the healthcare industry can learn from each other. We'll discuss stories and explore strategies to help providers deliver value-based care and hear your peers share their best practices for success. Let's get into the show. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the McBee Care Threads podcast. My name is Maria Warren, and I'm a senior director here at McBee. Our guest today is Bruce Vanderlaan, managing director at Mertz Taggart. Bruce, it's a pleasure to have you as our guest on today's podcast. Why don't you take a minute to introduce yourself? Well, thank you, Maria. It's a pleasure to be here. I am Bruce Vanderlaan. I, I, uh, I'm a guess you'd call us mergers and acquisitions advisor or investment banker with Mertz Taggart. Um, you know, we work principally and, and really only in the healthcare industry. I work primarily in the home health, home care, and hospice silos of the healthcare industry. Thanks for sharing that information about your background. Now, can you tell me a little bit more? What got you interested into this? I mean, M&A is such an exciting space to be in. Um, so that's one thing to attract you. But how did you go down this career path? Well, you couldn't have done it by design, I, I guess. I'm, I'm actually a uh, corporate and business attorney. I've been practicing for 28 years. And probably eight or 10 years ago, after moving to Florida from Michigan, I became friends with Corey Mertz who has been doing this for a long time. And during the course of our uh, our friendship or developing friendship, we actually started traveling together with our families and some other families and, and started talking and I would see him working on vacation. He would see me working on vacation. And, and at one point he said, you know, you really ought to come on board and, and do this, try to help get deals done. Don't be the typical attorney who gets in the way of deals. And, you know, I've tried to never be that attorney. I've always tried to be the guy who does get things done, but, but it did make a lot of sense to me. Um, you know, a number of family members who are in uh, healthcare um, who've been in home health and hospice industries in the past. And, and so after a fair amount of prodding and, and discussion, you know, I decided to join Corey and Merch Taggart about two and a half years ago now. Awesome. Thanks for sharing that. And, and it's so, so true that, and I know we'll talk more about this as we kind of continue in our, our podcast here about some of the, the challenges that you would face as an attorney and why it's so important to have a, a spotlight on the compliance pieces of it, um, not only on, on the clinical side, but on the financial side, lots of, lots going on there that we can cover as well within this. So uh, 2020 was quite the year, lots of changes uh, brought forth across the post-acute industry industry, laundry list of them that we don't even need to get into all the details, but it, it really didn't impact mergers and acquisitions from happening. Maybe slowed it down, but um, really didn't drive home any big changes or put, put it to a halt, so to speak. So what were your key takeaways from 2020? Well, Maria, I think fortunately that's true. I think if you had, if we had done this in say August or September of 2020, it would have been a very different story. I think, first of all, I would say that there are two takeaways that I take from 2020, both in mergers and acquisitions and just in general. And the first one is do it now. I think what we saw with the, the COVID pandemic was we need to take action. We need to get moving and get moving now. And the other one, of course, would be be prepared. There's no real way to prepare for, for that type of pandemic. But having that type of uh, preparedness mindset, the flexibility, I think those are two key takeaways. And, and I think they fit really well with mergers and acquisition and with, with compliance. 
you're absolutely right. The end of the year, number of deals got done and really saved, if you will, the, the data points, the number of transactions that happened in healthcare in 2020. A large proportion of them came in the, in the last quarter of the year. Obviously, when the coronavirus hit in the spring, things came to an almost screeching halt, if you will. And then when we worked through it and started to figure it out, things started to, to get back to maybe it's the new normal, but, but somewhat to normal. Yeah, and I could would almost even say that how providers responded to the pandemic probably even made them more attractive, you know, just by their resilience and uh, ability to pivot and and change the way that they do operations so that they were able to take on more patients and increase their their census and and their capacities. You're absolutely right. And that um, mindset of being able to pivot and being flexible and being able to be prepared is the kind of thing that that did make agencies more valuable, both in a just a day to day operations perspective. And if they were to come to us and, and want to uh, engage in a transaction. Very true. Now, and it, it is a seller's market right now, you know, between the strategic buyers, private equity, the high multiples, which I, I want to hear your thoughts on some of those. Everybody's looking to grow and expand their footprint or break into the industry. What advice do you have for providers and organizations um, if they approach you on looking to sell or buy? Well, that's kind of a loaded question, we, and I don't know if we have enough time for that. But, but to try to highlight, um, you know, I think you're absolutely right. It is a seller's market right now, both in home health and hospice, and really, uh, you know, in home care as well. Hospice right now is has continued to be as hot as it's ever been, and it we see no signs of that slowing down. Home health, on the other hand, had slowed slowed down when we were looking at PDGM. In, in uh, implementation, people, buyers in particular, stepped back, wanted to see what the effect was going to be. I think we've come through that now, even though the pandemic really took precedence over over the stories, at least the PDGM. And I think that now we're, we're largely through that. We kind of understand what's going to happen, what the future is going to look like from the regulatory perspective. And I think having said that, I think we all understand that the future is going to look like more regulation. Regulation is not going to be reduced. It's going to continue, and we're going to we're going to see different attempts, more regulation, more thoughts or plans on how the government or regulators will try to um, try to rein in what they see are our costs or or difficulties of the system. So that being prepared. Getting your ducks in, in a row right now, taking a look at your metrics, if you will, because buyers across the across the, the spectrum, really, whether they're strategic buyers or private equity, financial-backed buyers, they have certain metrics that they're going to want to see. So if you know what those metrics are and you can track those metrics, then you have good data points for knowing what your company is doing now and data points for how how you can present that information and how you can demonstrate value to those prospective buyers and also in your day-to-day operations how you can demonstrate efficiencies and and increase your profitability multiples is always a difficult question everyone really wants to 
always know what the multiple is. What, I get that question a lot. What's the multiple for my agency? And I'm in a little bit of a unique situation. Um, a number of years ago, I was in a mediation with another attorney and uh, somebody asked him a question and, and the answer was, well, every time you're talking to an attorney, the answer is it depends. <laughs> and that's that's really where we are now. I mean, multiples for for an agency are going to depend on your your growth rate. They're going to depend on clinical compliance. They're going to depend on financial clarity, if you will. They're going to depend on size for for a given agency. If you have, let's say you you have ten million dollars in revenue, and you have a an eighteen percent bottom line, your multiple may be in the you know depending on some other factors, could be four, five, or six, could, could potentially be a little higher, depending on uh, you know, your, your strategies and your growth opportunities. An agency that's, that's above that, that's say 15 million in revenue, is gonna be the next step up. That may be a six or a seven multiple on that adjusted EBITDA. And again, it depends, you know, when you talk about adjusted EBITDA, we're talking about some, some of the, you know, it's not just the bottom line, Earnings before interest, taxes, depreciation, and amortization, but there are adjustments. Are you taking? Are you paying for a car? Are you paying for vacations? Things like that. Those can kind of. It, it depends on how much you take from the from the agency. They're not strictly business related, so those could be to some buyers. Those would be red flags and and maybe risk to them. And risk, as you know, uh, drives down the value of an agency. Buyers don't want to see risk. They want to see clear, clean compliance and, and financials. So those kinds of things, risk, and, and if there's a lack of growth or a lack of clearly identified opportunities, those are the kind of things that could, could go the other way and, and uh, provide lesser value. Thank you for sharing great, great insights and, and points there and really helps. I mean, I know as everybody reads the the news articles and the press releases come out and they talk about the multiples and especially in some of the big transactions that have taken place. I think that helps everybody get some framework and, and educate them a little bit on what drives the multiples and what do they need to be looking at? I mean, as you said, with just compliance, I mean, clinical compliance, you know, that that's just as important as the financial um, 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 diligence that's done uh, across the organizations of making sure that they're they're clean and reducing and mitigating the risk as much as possible. Yeah, you're absolutely right about that. I, I would say that in in home health and hospice deals, um, clinical compliance. I, I hesitate to say that it's more important than financial compliance, but but you know, in most cases, the the financials are what they are, and they're easy to track and easy to to, to see. It's the clinical compliance where there are so many different areas that uh, regulatory bodies may be looking at and so many really technical things that can cause issues to pop up. Those are the kind of things that really need attention paid to them. And, and in a lot of cases, we haven't been paying close enough attention to those kinds of factors over the last few years. 
Yeah. And from a, from a deal breaker standpoint, as you said it, a clinical compliance truly plays a big role in that. I mean, of, of just seeing people walk away due to issues surrounding, you know, face-to-face requirements and 485s, homebound medical necessity on the home health side, you know, as well as a number of things on the hospice side regarding, um, certification of terminal illness, as well as face-to-face and documentation there and, you know, just proper verbiage and, you know, and how they utilize the EMR that they're on, you know, could lead to a lot of challenges and, and truly make the deal go south. You know, what, what types of themes have you been seeing around risk as every year CMS, we talked about, there's ongoing scrutiny within organizations. Yeah, you're absolutely right about that. And one of the other ones that I would point out is is the uh, Medicare billing practices. We unfortunately have had a couple of deals over the last several months not closed due to Medicare billing practices that that through audit were discovered and buyers are not comfortable enough to go forward. You know, Medicare, like like other governmental agencies today, see their regulatory authority or their regulatory activity as as revenue generating for the government. I see it it, with Medicare. I see it with the Department of Labor. So if you're not crossing your T's, dotting your I's, you run the risk of Medicare either withholding funds or clawing back funds that have already been paid. And, And, you know, I'm seeing across the board with regulatory agencies that they have taken a position the risk follows the assets. It doesn't have to be a stock transaction these days. If the assets are sold, the risk goes with those assets and and they will come after the buyer for the money that was paid that Medicare then takes a position should not have been paid. Yeah, there's there's a lot of hurdles and and challenges to face there, and you 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 then get to the point of is the deal worth it? How bad do you want to emerge into that space? Whether it's um, getting into a, a new service line or breaking into a new new geographical area of taking on those risks, and or what are more smaller deficiencies that are correctable through process change and education and along those lines as well. Yeah, absolutely. And and if you're doing that now, before you get to an audit or before you get to a transaction, then that actually increases the value of the agency because it shows, it demonstrates that you take those things seriously and you're taking action. And if you did have to go through an audit, that's beneficial to you because it shows CMS you've identified it, you're taking a corrective action, you have a plan, you're not just sitting there, you know, thinking everything is great until it's not. Absolutely. And so that just kind of goes for our listeners, whether you're you're looking to um, buy or sell, it's always important to uh, look into past surveys that you had. What what were the results? What plan of correction did you put together? Pepper reports, different focus medical review findings. Uh, what, what were the results of those? That really helps everybody frame and understand what, what is the risk and what actions have you put in place to either make you look more marketable to potential buyers or more profitable from going out there from a valuation standpoint? Yeah, you're absolutely right about that. Um, I would I would add to that, all of that historical data is great, but it is limited in, 
in scope and what you're reporting. And so if you can take action yourself and have your agency uh, evaluated how you're doing on, on those important areas, that's really, that's, that is money well spent, really. It is uh, going to not only improve your operations and your value, but it's going to protect you. And as an attorney for 28 years, you know, that's been a large part of my practice is protecting my clients. And that's one thing that clients, I think, can do to protect themselves. Well said. Thank you on that, Bruce. Now, it's still early uh, in, uh, in in our getting into 2021 here, but it, it's starting off with a flurry of activity. Everybody's, you know, hitting the ground running, either getting prepared to put themselves on the market and buyers are out there on, on their search, trying to figure out who's the right fit for them. What have you been seeing thus far? Um, and how do you predict the year will go? Well, we expect it to be a pretty busy year. We've had um, a lot of activity with buyers that we know in the, in the industry that are looking for agencies. You said earlier in the in the podcast that it is a seller's market, and I think that's absolutely true. We're seeing now um, agency owners who have survived the pandemic, and it's been hard. It's been a lot of work. It's been very stressful, and I think that we're going to see a number of, of agency owners decide that now is the time to sell. We also, there was a lot of activity, I think, toward the end of last year, because there was a lot of fear about what might happen with the tax structure. Right now, based on the experts we've been talking to, we don't expect the tax structure to, to change this year. Now, please don't hold me to that if it does, but, but we don't expect it. But I would not be a bit surprised if it changes in 2022. And so that may drive a number, you know, a number of people to decide now is the time. I'm, I'm not sure I want to take the chance of what may happen with increased regulation or what may happen with the change in the, in the tax structure. So I think we're expecting a, a pretty busy year this year. Awesome. So lots to look forward to. And the, as the industry continues to, it's already been heated up, but to continue to be um, blazing into 2021 and, and looking forward to lots of opportunity there and seeing how everything pans and shakes out within the industry as we continue to grow and expand. Bruce, thanks for joining me today. And I, I truly appreciate the insights that you shared. I know you and I can sit here and go back and forth talking about M&A all day. Um, lots of great info and takeaway for our listeners. And for those of you that want to read a little bit more, we have partnered together and put together a, a nice white paper surrounding knowledge is power and pinpointing the key risk areas for a smooth M&A transaction. So whether you're looking to sell or you're looking to buy I hope this will bring some insights to you all on how to prepare and things to things to know as you approach that. Thanks, Maria. And, you know, you reminded me um, there are lots of great insights on, on the McBee website. I think there are lots of great insights on the Merch Taggart website as well for, for our listeners. So I would encourage people to, to go and dive a little bit deeper and, and learn a little bit more on either or both websites. Yeah, like our white paper is knowledge is power. The more you know going into it, the better off you're going to be. Right. So hope everyone enjoyed this episode of the McBee Care Threads podcast. 
At McBee, we understand the challenges providers face across the healthcare landscape. For more than 45 years, we've been a part of the evolution of the healthcare industry. Our strategic advisory solutions span the home health, hospice, health system, and senior living care continuums, creating improved clinical, financial, and operational outcomes. Our expertise is guaranteed. Our solutions empower. Visit us today at mcbeeassociates.com. Thank you for listening to McBee Care Threads. To ensure you never miss an episode, please subscribe to the show in your favorite podcast player. If you use Apple Podcasts, we'd love for you to give us a quick rating for the show. Just tap the number of stars that you think the podcast deserves. For more information on the topics discussed today, visit our website at mcbeeassociates.com. Until next time.